Hello, and welcome to this Alan and Overy podcast. My name is Mami Okwafa Okoto. I'm a partner in the funds and asset management team. My practice is focused on advising a number of high-profile institutional investors, including sovereign wealth funds, pension funds, insurance companies, and family offices, as well as DFIs and government agencies. In this podcast, we will discuss some of the key issues being raised by many of our institutional investor clients, specifically around impact investing, such as what is the difference between ESG and impact investing? How can I get involved? And how can I measure the success of an investment? I am joined today by Amit Buri, CEO of the Global Impact Investing Network, who will be providing his insight and expertise to help us answer these questions. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I will do my best to help break down some of these terms and these exciting developments. Thank you, Amit. Firstly, I think it would be useful to have some background on the gin and understand what it is the organization does. So first and foremost, we're a network. So investors can share ideas and practices. You know, so for investors who are based in the Middle East and want to tap into the best thinking locally, but also globally, we're a network that connects investors across boundaries to help share ideas, experience, and opportunities. And of course, networks allow information and data and capital to flow more efficiently. The second thing we're focused on is helping investors measure and manage their impact. So many investors are excited about impact investing, but want a disciplined and rigorous way of understanding the fundamental question of, are we having an impact? You know, is this actually achieving results for people on the planet? And that's why we launched a system called Iris Plus. It's spelled I-R-I-S with a plus sign. And that is a system that helps investors measure, manage, and optimize their impact. It's free. It's an open source system, and so it's available to everyone. But we work with leading investors and stakeholders all around the world, whether it be the Middle East, Asia, Europe, or North America, to help identify the metrics theme by theme. And it's really framed around the sustainable development goals, which we can come back to later in the discussion. That's very interesting. I think some of our investors are complaining about greenwashing and very sceptical about impact investing and the way one measures it. It would be really useful if you could give us a few examples of success stories that you have seen that can be easily pointed to. Absolutely. And I'm actually glad to hear that some of your clients and your listeners are skeptical because I think it is important as impact investing gets popular and this thing about climate change becomes more popular that we make sure we don't lose the integrity of what it actually means to be an impact investor. And that's a core part of our strategy as we engage institutional investors, a focus on both scale, but scale with integrity. And that's why we do the work on Iris Plus is to bring sophisticated tools that are generally accepted around the world to the fingertips of investors to make sure that they can measure and manage their impact effectively. And if you're an asset owner, like an institutional investor, so you can ask for the impact performance data and the practices for your investees to help better understand how they're approaching this and to make sure it's not just spin and marketing, but it's actually deep substantive focus on investing in business models that do provide a strong return on their investments, but also provide a real meaningful impact for people and the planet. I think it would be useful to know what impact investing is for institutional investors who hear that phrase and and how you would describe it and, and also how long it's been around. 
Impact investments are investments that are made to generate a positive social or environmental impact alongside a financial return. We see impact investments taking place all around the world. We have activity on six continents. Our network at the GIN includes over 35,000 people, 300 plus formal members, including some of the world's largest institutions and financial services firms who are all putting capital to work across asset classes into impact investments. And so these can occur in many, many sectors. So things like affordable housing, green real estate, large and small clean energy projects, sustainable agriculture and forestry, financial inclusion, and many, many other areas. But what brings all these different approaches together is this common conviction of putting money to work to invest in generating a positive impact. The vast majority of impact investors are seeking risk-adjusted rates of return. So it is something that is very appropriate for those investors who have a fiduciary duty to pensioners or other stakeholders. And impact investments, the term has been around for just over a decade, but the actual activity has been around for much longer. Something investors also ask about is what is the difference between or what is the relationship between ESG and impact investing? Are they one and the same? How do you see ESG and impact investing relating? They are definitely not all one and the same, but they are connected. ESG is a huge trend globally, and I think it's a really good development for the world. At its essence, it is incorporating environmental, social, and governance factors into how we think about managing investments. And this has really been thrust into the mainstream over the past couple of years. The people have been working on ESG for decades. It's largely motivating a lot of the work is an emphasis on risk management. So for example, how can governance issues pose risk to my investments or to a company? And that is, I think, a really important set of data that can be brought to bear to understand the enterprise value and the financial risk for a given company. So we're now seeing most major institutional investors around the world adopt ESG in some form. And we're also seeing many of the asset managers and fund managers as well figure out their own ESG practices. Now, how impact investing is different from that is that impact investing is not just thinking about environmental and social issues from a risk management standpoint, but it's also about how do you think about driving a positive impact on these issues. So for example, if you're thinking about climate risk, you may be wanting to know how the companies you invest in are exposed to like climate-related disasters. So you invest in coastal real estate, and what's the risk that poses for those assets? Do you have global supply chains that draw natural resources that may become constrained, like water-intensive companies? And these are all important things to understand to manage down your risk as an investor. Now, when it comes to impact investments toward climate change, you would also want to look at how are you investing in things like clean energy projects that help actually have a positive impact on mitigating climate change? How do you think about clean energy access projects that you know are in rural areas that help people switch from burning dirty fossil fuels in their home for energy and heat and cooking to things like household solar kits? Also, land management strategies like sustainable forestry and sustainable agriculture that can be quite powerful for sequestering carbon dioxide and helping to stem the climate crisis that we're in the midst of. So these are very complementary. And one of the big trends we've seen amongst institutional investors who have adopted ESG approaches for their portfolios, it kind of like leads them to the next question of how do we also think about having a positive contribution on these issues? So not just kind of a defensive orientation or risk management approach, but how can our capital or how can our capital be put to work to help advance progress on these issues? And that's where we see almost a migration pattern, if you will, to impact investments.
So I think you alluded to it earlier, but how does one measure whether an investment is sincerely successful in the area of impact investing or not? So it's something that we've been working on since we were founded because it is such a fundamental question and it is important for us to have global standards and common metrics when we think about how to measure and manage our impact. So the reason we want launch Iris Plus is to bring all those metrics under one house and make them accessible to investors. And so we actually have built the system around the sustainable development goals because many institutional investors are using that framework to guide their approach to both ESG and impact investments. And we're also working to approach it by thematic area. So you could take the issue of like gender equity and how do we actually build gender equity into our investment strategy? So what Iris Plus does is you start with an upfront goal. It could be clean energy access. You then identify the specific strategies that can be used to help advance progress on that goal. And then it identifies core metric sets backed up by evidence that you can implement at an operational level. So why it's useful is because the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, are at the global level. They're national targets. But of course, investors are thinking about portfolios and transactions and deals. So Iris Plus helps bridge that gap from these important global goals all the way down to operational metrics that we can use. Now, this is a time when we love data. And so everyone wants more data on things and ways to mine the data and analyze it. And so the work that we're doing now at the GIN is helping to bring, once we have people speaking the same language with common metrics, we can then start aggregating data and conducting analysis. So we think the next frontier that we're working on with many of our members and partners is how to better understand impact performance data, how to compare it, and how to benchmark it. And this is something that all the institutional investors that we speak to are very interested in because they'd love to see kind of portfolio-wide data on how they're doing when it comes to things like advancing gender equity or helping to create more green real estate or invest in clean energy. And so we're helping to develop a data-driven approach to put that information at the fingertips of CIOs and portfolio managers who are making these decisions. A lot of our institution investors are relying on their fund managers, their portfolio managers, to the extent they have segregated accounts in the area of ESG and impact investing. But more recently, they are asking questions as to how they should be personally thinking about impact investing rather than relying on their managers. What advice would you give in that area? We've seen a huge surge of interest in impact investing from institutional investors. And to be explicit about who I'm referring to when I say that, pension funds, insurance companies, endowments, and some sovereign wealth funds. What I think is important for institutional investors to think about is to anchor this at a strategic level. So you can certainly have a mandate or an allocation, but to first start with, how are you thinking about impact across the entire portfolio? How is that a lens through which you're thinking about your allocation strategy broadly? We've seen some pension funds do this really well when it comes to like climate. And then you have to think about how do you actually want to design your team and structure it insofar as do you want to have a separate impact investment team or do you want to put it within each of the existing portfolio teams? And, and we've seen that vary. Some have had a dedicated impact investment unit for the firm-wide approach. Others have put this in private equity and real estate and kind of embedded it in other teams and strategies. But either way, I think it's you know important to have a clear view on what you want to accomplish at a strategic level, how you want to measure and manage your impact, and then you can give that guidance either to internal teams or to external mandates to help fulfill them.
It's really comforting to know that it clearly can be measured. And so that takes that problem away to some extent and highlights the benefit of data. What myths would you say that there are or that you see there are that you'd like to dispel in regards to impact investing? Some sovereign wealth funds, certainly many, many pension funds, insurance companies and others that manage very large pools of assets. One of the common questions we get is from a financial standpoint, are these viable? Are these commercial enough for me or for my portfolio? And I think that's one of the biggest myths is that impact investments may be perceived as something that is kind of sub-commercial or more philanthropic in nature. We have now a track record of data over the, the 10 years that we've been conducting research at the GIN that speaks to the fact that investors are meeting or exceeding their financial objectives. And so our global surveys that we've conducted over 10 years, every year we get about 90% of respondents saying they're meeting or exceeding their targets for impact investments when it comes to financial performance. And it's even higher when it comes to impact performance. And so it was pretty great um, results for any type of investment, but I think certainly speaks to the fact that there are many opportunities in impact investing that are appropriate for fiduciaries who need risk-adjusted rates of return, but are also interested and how they can earn those returns while having a positive impact on the issues that they're facing locally or throughout their global footprint. I was speaking to an investor last night and I mentioned that I was doing this podcast and they said to me, ask Amit, if I'm interested in impact investing, what two things should I do and what two things should I not do? It's a, a great question and hot off the presses. I think it's a live case. <laughs> and so <laughs> a, a couple things that I'd recommend. I think first, I would just tap into the network. If you're starting from scratch, the benefit today is that there's a lot of great experience from institutions all over the world, probably ones that you work with. And so that there's a lot of ways to access ideas and opportunities. And certainly the gin as a network is one way of sourcing that. I think the other thing that I'd recommend is much more operational which is it's important to think about how to factor impact into the investment process. This is everything that you need to be a good commercial investor is still relevant when you're a good to be a good impact investor, sound due diligence, rigorous financial analysis, and so on and so forth. But what you also need to add is a new capability of how to think about impact across the entire process, from strategy development to portfolio design to investment selection through portfolio management all the way through to exit. And what that means is developing a new capability. And so we have many of our members develop strong in-house teams around impact investing. Many will rely on outsourced asset managers and other providers to bring them solutions. But that approach of in integrating impact throughout the entire process is something that's fundamental to driving good results. And we have increasing amounts of research and resources from the gin that'll help investors think about how to do that. So those are my two things to do, the two things not to do. <laughs> um, so one is to not just think about this as a single sector or a single asset class strategy. There's a lot of activity in things like private equity and a lot of very famous private equity firms have moved into impact investments. But there's also great opportunities in things like private debt and real assets and cash management strategies even. And so it's important to, from the outset, think about a multi-asset class approach. And you can you know, start with one that makes sense for you in terms of where you want to begin sourcing opportunities, but there's no need to just tuck this into one box of the asset allocation framework, but rather think about impact at a strategy level and then think about opportunities throughout your allocation strategy.
The second thing I'd recommend, maybe this is part 1A-B, if you will, on the what to not to do, is similar to not to think about this as just one type of theme or issue area. So there's a lot of opportunities as it relates to climate change, but there's a whole bunch of opportunities that also around advancing social progress. And this varies based on where you're investing in the world. The issues that are present in Europe are different than those in the Middle East or South Asia and so on. But what's important is to think about impact investments can happen across many sectors and many themes. And so there is a wealth of opportunities to explore how to construct a multi-asset class, multi-thematic approach to impact investing. And then the last thing I'd say in terms of the don't, so number two, is um, just not let the perfect be the enemy of the good. It's complicated to think about how to have a positive impact. There's a lot of great experience out there already and a lot of great networks like the gin that you can draw from, but it is a time in the world where we see the climate emergency you know, reaching kind of very dangerous levels, and it's really affecting people viscerally all around the world. Thank you. A lot of our investors, and this is my, my last question, and a lot of our investors' response to impact investing and ESG is they're so concerned about returns and due diligence on managers in other areas that actually this is an extra headache and costs because, you know, they have to bring in teams or rely on various organizations. But what is your response to that? I think it is learning something new for many investors, but I also think it's important for investors who are focused on the long term, whether they're asset owners thinking about long-term results or they're asset managers and service providers thinking about institutional investors and family offices as your clients to kind of draw out the trend lines of where we see the markets going. ESG has moved from the margins to the mainstream where it's hard to find any major investor who's not thinking about ESG in some way. And it's almost to a point where it's just table stakes. It's just one of our members who's a senior executive at a major institutional investor said, you know, ESG is just like hygiene. It's just part of what you need to do to be a credible investor these days. And we can also see the trend line extend to thinking about how do we contribute to social and environmental progress. So many would argue that this is just good investing or that this is where investing is going. And I think that what's important to think about is how we see markets evolving where things like how to manage climate change will be part of what every investor needs to do going forward. Well, thank you very much. I think we have certainly learned a lot today. Well, thank you so much for having me.